appreciate his sensitivity to the spirit and his willingness to come and help us, amen, during this time where we're just extending ourselves wherever God wants us to go, amen. I, wherever he wants me to go, I'm going. And you need to feel the same way. God sends you to a hungry soul, you need to be obedient. Amen. Listen to the voice of God and uh, take this message to those that are hungry to hear it. Elder, I want you to come once again. I want you just to take your liberty tonight. God bless you. So glad that you're here. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. I uh, have enjoyed our time here with you, <clears throat> the short time we've had to be with Regan, but <clears throat> I don't take this lightly to have an invitation to come and stand in a men's pulpit, especially when he's out of town, and then particularly when he's out of country. Uh, I just don't take that lightly, and Regan, I want you to know that I highly respect what you're doing in the kingdom for the sacrifice you're making, and church, you should never don't ever stand before the Lord on judgment day and have it on your account that you drug your feet to hinder him from doing the will of God. Praise God. That includes withholding finances or uh, even voicing your opinion. Praise the Lord. When you voice your opinion against what God's doing, then you're in essence telling God, hey, you don't know what you're doing. Well, that's for free. I won't charge for that one. Praise God. I, I do feel like, if my voice will hold out, I do feel like that, that I have direction for this service. I want to challenge you once again for what is the heartbeat of this old man is in the end time to see revival come back again. Praise God. I have seen God move, and I want to see it again. We are desperately seeking for it in Tulsa, and uh, we, we've had several get the Holy Ghost this week with... Uh, up to possibly a dozen in the altar. And Pastor Howard is in Taiwan. He's too out of country. But uh, God's good to us. We're seeing miracles. We're seeing God do things that uh, just supernatural. And uh, I want to see it on a regular basis. And there's no reason why this church can't see the same thing. Praise God. I, I want to talk to you tonight about revival. And uh, if we took the time to ask well, a dozen different individuals, what is revival? I feel certain we'd get 12 different answers. We talk about it, but uh, it's kind of like talking about walking on the moon. It's exciting. I can preach to you about revival. Your pastor can. You shout and run the aisles. We want to see it. 
But what is it? How are we going to know when it comes? And how are we going to know what to bring it? Is anybody interested? Praise God. Praise God. Turn with me to our favorite chapter in the Bible, Acts chapter 2. And I want to read starting at verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all, everybody say all. Now say it like you mean it. They were all. Now look at your neighbor and say, that includes you. All. With one accord in one place. To us, that means the church house. Praise God. And suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it all and it filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared to them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all, everybody say all again. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. How did they know? They never had seen anybody get the Holy Ghost. We do have an advantage over those in the upper room. They, began, they all began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There were dwelling at Jerusalem devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in their own language. Praise God. Let's pray. Jesus, we come to you again tonight, God. I need your help. I need your anointing. Give me grace, God, to be able to do what I feel you call me to do. Lord, anoint our head, our minds, that we can hear, our ears, that we can hear, our minds, that we will respond. Thank you, Lord, that there can be a mending together, a welding together of your people. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Who's going to help me preach tonight? You can be seated if not. Remain standing. Praise God. All right. We'll see. Thank you, Jesus. What is revival? Several years ago, the church that I pastored uh, sent me on a, a, a tour uh, of the Holy Land, Israel. We went to Greece, then into Egypt, crossed the desert, uh, from Cairo, crossed the desert, Sinai Desert by bus, and went into Israel, and there uh, we was able to tour and to see uh, the land of Israel. 
it was it was so inspiring to me. We we come around the corner, and uh, our director picked up the microphone and he said, uh, "We are entering. We are fixing to approach the eastern gate." And about that time, we come around the corner, and there on the right was the eastern gate. Now, this tour was 70-something apostolics. There were conservative men. There was only one video camera uh, in the group. Well, as we come around the corner, and he said, we are approaching the eastern gate. The Holy Ghost fell in that bus. And people started speaking in tongues. And in a cramped tour bus, uh, excitedly worshiping God. Then the guide said to us, if you notice, the eastern gate is blocked off with stone. Because the Lord prophesied that he would return through the eastern gate. So they've blocked it off so he can't do it. Huh. They don't know the God that I serve. We went to the upper room. What they said was the upper room. And... Uh, Having never seen it, never been there, yet walking up that cobblestone pathway, it just seemed right that this is the real McCoy. We walked in the upper room. There was a group of Korean people over against the far wall, and they were seeking the Holy Ghost. We didn't know their background, wasn't able to find out their background, but some of our preachers, uh, when we went in the door, the Holy Ghost fell again. And people were dancing and shouting and speaking in other tongues. Uh, one of the preachers that was over in the corner was a, a high rock ledge like. And he ran over there and leaped up on that, that rock and began to preach Acts 2.38 as loud as he could preach it. And that just put gas on the fire. Some of the preachers went to that group of Koreans and laid hands on them and started praying for them. Now I said all of that to say, when the, the priest that was standing outside and milling around heard this noise, they came rushing into what uh, they said was the upper room and kind of just run right up in the middle of the group and they were surrounded and they stopped in mid-stride and started walking backwards just like they did on the day of Pentecost. Oh, praise the Lord. Revival. The Webster's Dictionary said it's a bringing or coming back into use. Revive. To bring back from the dead 
or to restore that which was once alive. It means restoration to vigor or activity. Praise the Lord. To excitement. Now, the song leader sang, led the song service. Then your pastor got up here and he worshiped and he led singing. And some got excited. But I guess I pastored too long to, and I, it hasn't been that long till the preacher, the pastor observes people for some strange reason. I'll praise the Lord. Some were excited, but some never reached that level of excitement. It's just Sunday night church. And pastor, hurry up so the preacher can get up there because we already know he's long-winded. And it's going to be late. All right? Bringing back to life to vigor or activity. Holy Ghost apostolic revival will come with excitement. The people in the surrounding areas were astonished at what they saw and what they heard because the people were excited. It's a bringing back to life or consciousness. A meeting that is characterized by fervid, hot, burning, passionate preaching coupled with public confession. Oh, praise God. Now, I've got the advantage over you because I've read the back of the book, but I'm already feeling something building. Thank you, Jesus. Public confession. Revival brings about conviction. And that causes saints to stand and say, Pastor, you know, we used to have public confession services, but we've outgrew that. You know, that's, that's not politically correct because you will embarrass somebody. But conviction will cause somebody to say, to stand and uh, say with fervor, I haven't been doing right. And I'm apologizing to God. I'm apologizing to the church. And I'm asking you to forgive me. Praise the Lord. I'm going to do my best tonight to show you what it's going to take to bring revival to this assembly. You've got to do the whole enchilada or it don't work. You can't just do part of it and leave the other part out. Oh, praise God. Anytime that what I'm fixing to talk about happens, great opposition from hell and is stirring from the enemy 
that we know as Satan. You're going to face opposition that you've never faced before. You need to pray fervently that God will build a hedge around your pastor and his wife because they are walking in dangerous territory. They're invading the forces of hell when they go in these foreign countries that are steeped in idolatry, witchcraft, and all of the false religions. And hell don't like it. They'll tell you that when they're there, there are men that show up in opposition to what they're doing because they're controlled by the enemy. They try to intimidate and cause you to back down and say, well, maybe all of this is not necessary. I'm telling you, you need to pray. You need to set aside some time fasting that God would put a hedge around your pastor, especially when he's on these tours. Oh, praise God. When revival comes to this church, you're going to face opposition from the community because the spirits of hell don't like church, don't like you invading their territory. It's going to set young people free. It's going to set mom and dads free. When you talk about low self-esteem and on and on, uh, and uh, the, the Lord delivers somebody from low self-esteem that they get bold in this message. He don't like that. Great opposition is going to come militarily in a, in a combat situation. The enemy never heavily fortifies a position that is not strategically important to him. You've got to possess the upper ground, the high ground, if you're going to have victory. The Japanese said that when the Marines landed on Iwo, uh, on, uh, uh, Iwo Jima, uh, it was a, the beach was black with a volcanic ash and rock from past volcanoes. And uh, they said that when the first Marine set foot on that sand, it was reported that the Japanese government said, we have lost this war. If those men are that determined, because you see, the ocean was running red with American boys' blood. Just because somebody got shot didn't stop them uh, from reinforcing and sending another wave and sending another wave and sending another wave until uh, when they finally forced their way over their dead comrades' bodies and stood on the beach, they said, we can't defeat an enemy that that's determined. Can I tell this church tonight that with God, we are an army that has never been defeated. 
There is not enough devils in hell or out of hell to stop God's church when it gets on the march, when it goes on the offensive, when it said it's time that we start walking in our neighborhoods. It's time that we start reaching for our neighbors. It's time that we start reaching for the backslider. Hell will shake, but it can't stop the onslaught of the blood of Jesus Christ. So when opposition comes, you ought to get excited. You can be assured that hell is concerned about what he's losing. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise God. I want to break down tonight and look at what revival stands for. I've laid a little foundation there. R-E-V-I-V-A-L. You can write that down if you care to. And we're going to break down each word and in my own way explain to you what it means so that we can see where we need to go. The first letter is R, which I'm going to say stands for Revelation. We can get in a rut, and we can get so accustomed to just coming to church and just going through the motions and just doing enough to keep pastor off our back. Hello? Just praying enough around the altar uh, so he don't raise no eyebrows and he don't, he don't look at you suspicious. But when revelation comes that I, if I'd want to see my church have revival, I'm going to have to do what they did in the book of Acts. If we want to see Acts reincreated, we're going to have to do what they did in the book of Acts. They had been there for days just waiting, not knowing what they were waiting for. We know what we want. We've got the advantage they waited, they prayed, they studied, they meditated. Uh, they made sure there was nothing between me and my brother. They made sure that there was nothing between me and my brother, my sister. They were all in one place and in one accord. One wasn't thinking about the job tomorrow. It's amazing how much we distaste going to work on Monday morning, but then how much we dwell on it during church on Sunday night. How we can get so involved. Maybe the dishes haven't been washed all week, but when church comes, I'm, my mind is back there washing dishes cleaning house. Hello? Revelation. One mind, one accord. When my brother has a problem, all of us have a problem. When my sister is struggling, all of us are struggling. Come link arms with me, my brother, and let's march together. Oh, praise the Lord. 
Now they taught us in, in, in boot camp and in training uh, that uh, you could, uh, uh, you could uh, they, they kind of imposed on us that we were capable of taking out at least a dozen single-handed them scumbag civilians. They're just all trash. You can, you can take them out single-handed. Well, I, I, I didn't learn the hard way because I didn't believe it in the first place. But they showed us that if you, I didn't run in the bars, but they said you can go in a bar, just two of you, and when you start cleaning that bar out, stand back to back. You don't have no blind spots when you stand back to back. Nobody can get to you because your buddy's watching. Nobody can touch your buddy because you're watching. And anybody that sticks his head up is fixing to get hurt. Oh, why can't we get that concept in the church? I'm not going to sit by and watch my brother go down. I'm not going to sit by and watch my brother struggle. I'm going to take it on myself to fast and to pray that God would somehow open their eyes before they get uh, deceived and pulled down. Can I tell you in the Holy Ghost, when revival comes, some of you are not going to survive because you're not going to be willing to move up. If you can't move up before the fight starts, you're not going to move up under pressure. But God wants every man, woman, boy, and girl to be victorious when revival comes. A renewed awakening of Jesus to his disciples and what we're supposed to be doing on the earth. The Lord says, if you will, I will. He told Israel, I'm going to send you in the land and I'm going to send hornets before you. Fast as you move, they'll move in front of you. They're not going to move ahead of you. If you don't want to fight, they're not going to fight. Oh, praise the Lord. There's a fight to be won before revival comes. God is going to bring revival because that's what he died for. He, he wants to see this church grow. He wants to see it expand. He wants to see you start other daughter works. He wants to see you start other works across the land. He wants to see young preachers with a genuine call on their life come up out of a congregation so that when the opportunity arises, you can fill the spot. Revival is supposed to overflow. One place it said, these men have turned our city upside down. There's nothing the same anymore. Can I tell somebody when you get a hold of the vision, the revelation that I'm talking about, you'll turn your family inside out because something will get a hold of you. If you saw your mother or your dad or your sisters fixing to walk out in front of a truck on the street, you would scream and yell and do everything. When we see our family, when we see our city 
as lost and burning in a devil's hell. Something's going to get a hold to me that's going to drive me. They may slam the door. But you go home and get on your knees and God can penetrate that door. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Isaiah 9 and 7 of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with just judgment and justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. God will fight for us. I said God will fight for us when we begin to fight. When it gets a hold. And it's not going to catch the whole congregation at first. Somebody is going to have to get a burden and a burning desire within their spirit. And they say, God, I'm making myself available as a conduit that you can flow through. It's not to be bragged about. It's not to be talked about. I'm going to just increase my prayer time. I'm going to increase my dedication. I'm asking you, God, to put a burden on me that I can't be satisfied, that I can't be comfortable. You hear me tonight? Somebody come to the forefront and be God's man. And God will add somebody to you to help you. And pretty soon that individual that says, I can't do it, will see somebody else doing it. And they'll say, if they can do it, I can do it. And the first thing you know, you've got an inferno going. You've got a group of people that's got this good man's hands raised high. And say, Pastor, just lead us. We're ready to fight. Just show us how to go. We're ready to fight. We're ready to march. We're ready to conquer this area. We're not going to be satisfied with another mundane Pentecostal service. We're not going to drag it out. Excitement. They got so excited till they said, these crazy people are drunk. It used to be a common practice of people getting drunk in the Holy Ghost and have to be carried out and driven home. They couldn't even drive. I've seen men so drunk, they talked like a drunk man. They walked like a drunk man. They acted like a drunk man. I've heard stories of people getting the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues for days. They went to work and somebody said good morning. And when they tried to say good morning, they started speaking in other tongues. Don't you think that's going to get somebody's attention? Don't you think that's going to stir up a controversy? Oh, praise the Lord. What happened to you? Let me tell you what happened. I went to the apostolic church last night, and God filled me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you what it feels like. How they're going to come in those doors 
by the numbers. When God's people gets a revelation that the coming of the Lord is at hand, the rapture of the church is imminent, and he's anxious and desirous to see revival come to his church. Praise God. Matthew 16 and 18, I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, I'm not going to take the time to explain the background. I don't have the time. Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Praise the Lord. And uh, if you'd have just stopped there, there would have been the possibility of trouble. And the gates of hell shall not. Praise God. This church is not to bounce around up and down. It's not the will of God that people leave. And people never leave until they get carnal. Hello? I said they never leave till they get carnal. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Come against it? Oh, yeah. But prevail against it? No. It's not going to be happening. Matthew 18 and 24, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. I'm telling you, a couple of you get a hold of what I'm talking about. Something's going to eat you alive. Something's going to start growing in you. Oh, something's going to start chewing on you. Uh, that that you've been preoccupied with in the past is not going to preoccupy you anymore. You're going to come to church and instead of playing with the baby, you're going to be worshiping God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Revival starts and is carried on a personal level within the family. I used to, I've seen them do it. They draw a circle down here on the carpet. They ask each individual to step inside that circle. And now my prayer becomes, God, start a revival inside this circle. I'm not going to leave this circle, God, till you start something burning in my spirit. You won't have to worry about backsliding when you get revival in your circle. Or you won't have to worry about getting distracted. When you get revival burning in your circle. And when you come out of that circle, you're going to do just like they did on the day of Pentecost. You're going to spread this message far and wide. You're going to reach your known world. It starts with the family and an individual. Dad, it's your responsibility. Yes. 
You want to be so macho and keep reminding your wife that the Bible says, wives, submit yourselves to your husband. Oh, yeah. You go back and study the book of Genesis. The Lord put four times the responsibility on the man that he did the woman. Study it out. Oh, praise God. The wife really. Oh, Lord, I could get in the deep water here fast. You got the genes of your grandmother Eve. And it was a driving desire in her to be in charge. Think about it. She didn't check with her husband before she ate that fruit. It was her desire to be like God. Hello. Because she hungers for somebody to put her under their arm. Not under their heel, under their arm, and say, honey, this is what God wants our family to do in this church. Honey, I'm going to show you how to pray. I'm going to show you how to be a husband and a leader in the family. I'm going to show you the importance of us Teaching our children how to pray. Oh, help me, Jesus. I'm feeling one of them spirits on me right now. I hope I can shake it off. Some of you are driving your children out of church by your actions. You're saying, you got to do this. And they're watching you do everything but this. Kids pay attention to how mom and daddy act and react in church. If they don't see you worship, they're not going to worship. And when they get old enough to live for God and start getting the Holy Ghost, they're going to rebel and you're going to cry some bitter tears. What good does it do us if we win the world and watch our kids on drugs and dope and live in every kind of ungodly lifestyle and when they point a finger at you and say, Daddy, it was your fault. You never showed me how to pray. You never showed me how to worship God. You never showed me the importance of, of being in the house of God. Here's going to send a lot of people to hell. This little thing is your God. And if it buzzes, you can't help but to grab it and see what kind of garbage is on it. 
When you ought to be worshiping God, you ought to have that thing put away. If you can't get rid of it, leave it home. We're going to church. We're going to have revival. We're going to see God move. I'm going to show my half family how to be saved. I don't want to see my kids lost. I don't want to raise a carnal family. I want to raise a family that God can put a touch on them, that it can have an anointing on them, that they will be happy serving God. Oh, praise God. Revival is a spirit, and it's a revelation. You got to see it for yourself. Preacher can preach about it, but until it ever comes a revelation, you will never get a hold to it. No church as a body will ever experience revival until a personal awakening comes about in them. Then it spreads to the families and it goes to two or three. It's the responsibility of the parents to lead their family in this awakening. I've already said by showing and by setting the example for your children and for your family. Show your children how to pray. Let them see you interceding in intercessory prayer. Let them see you with your hands in the air with tears running down your cheeks and a smile on your face. How proclaiming to the Lord, I love you more than anything. Oh, hallelujah. The pastor will never lead any family if the parents are not behind him. I know what I'm talking about. I broke my health trying to bring it about until I got the revelation. You're wasting your time. Preacher, if the family's not behind you, your children's going to be lost, sir, unless you lead the way. The man of God can help you immensely, but he's going to have to see you interested first. Well, praise God. Now, that's just one letter. I've got to speed it up, but we'll be here at sunrise service. E is enthusiasm. Enthusiastic prayer. This oh Jesus, oh Jesus, oh Jesus is not going to cut it. Again, men, mama's not going to follow until you show her the way. As many men as there are in this church, you ought to ring these rafters. I'm talking about praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying like you like to see your pastor preach with everything that's within him. That the glory comes down. I'm not, I'm not repeating myself. I'm not just walking back. I've watched people, oh, they just will. Uh, uh.
you're getting some pretty good exercise, but that's about as far as it's going. But oh, when you see men on their face before God, and if they were to look up, their eyes are swelled with tears running down their face. And if you could hear them pray, they're praying for their wife. They're praying for their children. They're praying for their neighborhood. They're praying for the backsliders in this city that the backslider alone would fill this building several times over. But God is waiting for somebody to get excited, an excitable prayer. You won't ever get excited in worship until you get excited in prayer. And when you get excited in prayer, our worship is going to come automatically. Oh, hallelujah. The sinner, when they come in this building, ought to be able to count your teeth. I, from time to time, catch our young people. You know, they, they have a rough time. These kids are struggling with things that I never even thought about having to struggle with. They're fighting forces that they don't even know, and they're too embarrassed to ask anybody. Oh, praise the Lord. But I see one of them coming in and they... Uh, and I say, are you happy? Yeah. Do me a favor and tell your face. You never convince anybody that you're happy. You'd make a good lemon salesman. When the sinner comes in, and you brag to them about how great this salvation is. How wonderful it is. How happy you are. And they see you sitting there with your head down. And the pastor trying to get you to worship. And you've got different things on your mind. You're too preoccupied. And they look at you. And they may never say it. But to themselves, if that's what it's all about, I don't want none of that. If that's happiness, I'm, I'm ahead of them. Because I can go to the bar and I can get a smile on my face. Oh, praise the Lord. When they come in this building, they ought to think every one of you are crazy. Oh, praise the Lord. Just, just a little spark and everybody's on their feet. It's amazing how one can feel the urge to run and a whole church not feel anything. If one runs, the same Holy Ghost ought to put a run in everybody else's feet. Or if I get too wild, he'll pull my coattail and I'll sit down. I'm talking about enthusiasm. I'm talking about getting happy. I'm talking about witnessing to people enthusiastically. My lifestyle. Why should any Holy Ghost feel person? Why should any Holy Ghost feel person want to dress in a manner that would draw attention to themselves? 
scripture could apply that just to the ladies, but we've got so many sissy boys today. You ought to look like a man. You ought to act like a man. You ought to dress like a man. Oh, praise God. For the world to come and say, I don't want to get involved in nothing like that. That's the same way I dress. That's the same way I look. Oh, but I need to point somebody to Jesus. I need to have a refreshing experience that they can see. That I can lead the sinner to the Lord and not to me. It's not hard living holy. It's fun. I'm having a time of my life. I said, I'm having a time of my life. Married to the same woman 57 years. I ain't got to worry about where she's at. When I get home, I can go home anytime, the day or night. I know where she's going to be. That's, that's a relief. The world can't do that. Been preaching over 60 years, and God's never failed me yet. I'm telling you, I'm having a time of my life. When I can see somebody, I can look in a man's eyes like this morning and say, would you come and pray with me? And you can see all over his face, he's desperately wanting somebody to take some time with me. He was out of his pew before I ever got to him. I'm telling you, I'm having the time of my life. Oh, you can struggle living for God if you want to. And something somewhere down the road will set a bait for you and you'll swallow it. The only hope I've got of being an overcomer is to get in this thing with my whole heart. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Holy Ghost. The letter V stands for visitors and vision. They say if you are a leader and you have no one following you, you are merely taking a walk. If you're having church and you're not having visitors on a regular basis, you're just going through the motions. Oh, help me, Jesus. Don't waste this good man's time to have to teach the same Bible lesson over and over and over to get you to catch on to it. He ought to be able in a revival church, come to this pulpit like David, and is sitting in the hole, and he says, Oh, if I just had one more drink of water from the wells of Bethlehem. He ought to be able to just come to this pulpit to, and just kind of reminiscing and say, Church, I'd like to see us go in this direction for a while. Don't judge him when he says, this is the way I feel the Lord 
is directing me. And a little while later, I said, I think we need to change course. We need to do this for a while. It's not that he's just rambling. Sometimes he don't know which way to go. And it's better to go forward than it is to go backwards. So he said, let's increase our prayer. Let's pray more. Let's do this more until God gives him a different direction. And when he does that, say, okay, let's go this way. They were all together in one place and one accord. And suddenly it began to happen. Your man of God will find God. He has enough elders around him that's watching over him, with him, until God can get through to some of them that they will be able to give direction. Be glad about visitors. The devil, please hear me, the devil tells a visitor and especially a backslider. Those folks are living holy. They don't want you back down there because you messed up. They tell the sinner, you're living a sinner's life. Those folks don't want you part of their assembly. And then when they come, Nobody shakes their hand. Or when you see a shadow come through that door, everybody turns and looks. The devil immediately says, see there, I told you. Look at that serious look on their face. They don't want you here. You ought to get excited when visitors come. I've heard it said, I've heard it said over the years when a visitor walks in that door before they can find a seat, at least six people should have shook their hand and welcomed them. Would you like to sit with us? Well, praise the Lord. Would you like to sit rather than get off in the corner right by themselves and feel like nobody cared? Would you sit with my family? We'd be honored to have you. After church that day, would you be our guest? We'd like to take you to lunch. We'd like to take you to, while you're there, you're building a friendship. Uh, would, you, would you allow me to come in your home and teach a home Bible study so that you can learn more about God? While they're interested is the time to hit it. Visitor, a visual excitement about what they're doing. Be glad that they're coming and show it. We have something here that they need. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Have a vision for church growth and a vision for improvement in me. And my life is in such condition spiritually that my pastor would never have to say, I'd rather you didn't teach a Bible study. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, God. Thank you, Jesus. Other Johnny Godere, I'm told the last time I talked to him about it, been several years ago, he, I've never been to his church, but I've told that he runs... Maybe a thousand or more. I don't know. 
But I know he'll come preach for you Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. But Saturday morning, he's on a plane going back home. Because Saturday afternoon, here's a man pastoring that large of a church is still teaching his own personal home Bible study. I heard him tell the story that it, he started teaching this couple. And about the third lesson, they got the Holy Ghost. He baptized them. And he just kept on teaching the lesson. They don't know, they don't know what to do. They don't know what the Bible says. He just kept teaching them a lesson. About the fifth lesson, at the end of it, they started asking him lessons, questions on the fourth lesson. Well, he answered the questions and come back next week. The sixth lesson, they asked him questions on the fifth lesson. That kind of perplexed him, but he didn't say anything. The next week, uh, they, he taught the next lesson, and when at the end of the service, uh, they asked him questions on last week's. And he said, wait a minute. Have I got to the place that I'm no longer effective teaching you? Am I not teaching you your understanding? No, 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 Pastor. We've got our own Bible study going, and we just want to make sure we got the right answers. Could that have anything to do with him having overflowing revival? Could that have anything to do with visitors there on every Sunday? That have anything to do with the burden? When you win somebody to God, it's going to become addictive. When you can look across that aisle and you can find your neighbor or one of your friends that you know they was in deep trouble and the Lord delivered them and you just kind of look over there and their hands are in the air and tears running down their face and they're worshiping God. I'm telling you, it'll get addictive to you. But until revelation comes, you'll keep on wondering when pastor's going to bring revival. Letter I is intensity. Taking no for an answer is not an option. One fellow knocked on the door and said, don't ever come back to my door again. Next week he was right back. I told you not to come back, slam the door. Next week he was right back. And finally they said, all right, what's with all of this? We'd like to teach you a Bible study. We'd like to invite you to our church. And there's a burden in your heart. And when you look in those eyes, those hurting eyes, tears start running down your face. Don't you tell me it's not going to affect them. Be a church that drives and pushes. Do not always have to be pushed. Push for revival. Push hell back. Push back intimidation. You can be used of the Lord. 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 Oh. Letter V. Visitor follow up. When the Lord draws and compels people we need to follow up on them. 
Be politely persistent. Be good stewards of what God gave you. Be friendly and be available. Pastor can't handle a 50-soul revival. But the church could handle a 50-soul revival if each one of you took one of the babies and took it on yourself to raise them. Praise God. A baby don't, don't cry in the middle of the night. It's your convenience. When they get an urge to eat or they need a clean diaper. They don't check with you to see if it's convenient. And they're persistent until you do something about it. The sinner needs direction. When they go home out of these altars, all of hell assaults and assails against them. Their family starts pulling on them. Their neighbor starts pulling on them. And if there's not somebody there to say, hey, let's pray together. Let's look at God's word and see what God's word said. Let's understand what I'm telling you. God wants to see you delivered. Don't listen to that false doctrine. Let me show you what the Bible says. Do you want tradition or do you want the Bible? Let me show you what, spend a few minutes with them, encouraging them. You can be an overcomer. You can do it. They say we can't live like you live. Oh, yeah. You get the Holy Ghost and you've got the same power I've got. Oh, I'm challenging somebody tonight to come on board. Thank you, Jesus, and reap the fruits of many souls and the miracles that the Lord has for his church. I've seen too many people healed. Praise God. Pastor Howard just recently come down with a serious heart condition. The doctor was very concerned. And he was going in for some extensive tests. I'd watch him preach and he'd just barely make it to his chair and just sit down. He was exhausted. On the morning that he went for the test, the doctor says, I don't know why you're here. There's nothing wrong with your heart. There's nothing wrong with your arteries. And he said, Doctor, the Lord healed me. Well, okay. He started to walk out of the office. He said, would you pray for me? I need prayer. It wasn't but just a few months. Sister Howard had congestive heart failure. And it was a bad situation. She was going in for a test. We prayed for her. The church prayed for her. The same doctor went back in. And he said, I don't know what's going on, but there ain't nothing wrong with you. Pastor, the same God that touched me touched her. We need to talk, preacher. We need to talk, preacher. Oh, help me, Jesus. 
The Lord wants to be a deliverer. The Lord wants to set people free. The Lord wants to bring back miracles. But people have got to be spiritual enough to handle them right. Oh, Jesus. The backslider. And I'm moving as quickly as I possibly can. The backslider. The backslider has filled this city. We had an air conditioning man come out recently. My grandson was building a house next door. And I was just talking to the man. And he said, y'all are Pentecostal, aren't you? Yes, sir. So my grandpa pastored the church in Sepulpa. I'm telling you, the land is full of this man. I don't, I don't want to overstep my bounds but when you get this vision that I'm talking about, I'm going to challenge you to get one of the nicest welcome cards that you can find. And just what if every Holy Ghost-filled child of God would in one given week Mail 10 cards to 10 different backsliders and say we would be overjoyed if you would come back and join us. We miss you. We want to see you back. And just what if one of those backsliders got 50 cards in one week because some of you sent them to the same person. Hello, you won't need an evangelist to come because revival will break out. All pastoral have to do is sing a few songs and say, would anybody like to pray? And the visitor, the backslider is going to fill these altars. And the saints of God are personally going to take it on themselves to pray that backslider through. Oh, God, we don't need a bunch of young preachers as much as we need a bunch of young altar workers that can take an individual and pray them through to repentance and then pray them through to speaking in other tongues. We speak this Pentecostal jargon, hold on, turn loose. One fella prayed for a while and they was beating him on the back and spitting in his face, saying, hold on, turn loose. And directly, he just throwed his hands in the air and said, I give up. What do you want me to do? They don't understand what we're saying. But John, let me tell you something. Jesus loves you. I'm right up there where you can hear me and I'm just talking to him private. Jesus loves you. He wants to forgive your sins. What you're feeling right now is the presence of the Lord. What you're feeling is God on the outside wanting to come on the inside. But he can't do it, John, until you repent of your sins. God, I'm sorry for the way that I've lived. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and wash me clean. If you'll forgive me of 
they can't do that, pray the sinner's prayer for them. Not repent for them. Say, just repeat after me. Lord, I'm sorry for the way I've lived. Whatever it takes to get them excited. But when you are full and sensitive in the Holy Ghost, you'll know when the Lord forgave them of those sins. You can see the change of expression on their face. Now, John, the Lord has forgiven you. Lift your hands and start getting happy. Start getting excited. Start letting God feel. Don't worry about what it sounds like. Don't worry about what your tongue's feeling like. Just let God come in your heart. And then start rejoicing with them. <laughs> praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I'm closing. And I'm going to appeal to everybody in this building. Do not resist what pastor in his efforts to cause you to move up. Don't get angry and disgruntled when he starts challenging you to get in the groove and get your act together and start moving up in the dispensation of living for God. To resist the man of God in your life is to resist God. Let him deal with your children. Please hear me. Don't resist him when he starts dealing with your children. You're putting rebellion in their heart. When you start telling them they don't have to listen. Oh, praise God. Your pastor is the best friend you'll ever have. But don't misinterpret that to mean he's going to be a buddy to everybody. He's a God-called man set aside to lead us to heaven. Oh, praise the Lord. I'm eager to hear what God's going to do in the next few weeks. Because I just believe that there's some here that love your man of God and love God and love the church enough to say, Pastor, just lead on. I'm going to pick up the torch. We're going to start building a fire in this area. We're going to start having church like a church ought to be had, not saying that you're not worshiping. I'm not putting anybody down. I'm just trying to challenge everybody. There's room for improvement. There's room for me to improve. There's room for all of us to improve until revival breaks out. And then I'm going to be one of the ones that stands by my man of God and fights hell with him. Devil, you're not going to fight my preacher without coming through me first. You're not going to bind down my man of God without coming through me first. Oh, praise the Lord. You're not going to cause him to back up without coming through me first. I'm ready to see revival come to my church, to my city. The daughter works can be brought up. Oh, these seats can be filled up. Let's stand to our feet and worship the Lord. Come on, somebody ought to plug into what I'm talking about and get excited. I said, somebody ought to plug in. Oh, praise the Lord. Somebody ought to rejoice. Somebody ought to get excited. 
Thank you, Jesus. A revival, an awakening. Oh, God, if you'll help me, I'm going to do my part. I'm not going to let the enemy talk to me any longer. I'm going to get involved. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, let's worship the Lord. Let's worship the Lord. Oh, God, put this word deep in my heart tonight. Put this word deep in my heart tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Ah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I think we need to do what the man of God said tonight. I think we need to come find a place to pray and just draw a circle around ourselves and say, God, right here, start a revival in this circle. Start a revival in me. Give me that vision. Give me that revelation. Come on, let's talk to the Lord, everybody. Let's come. Let's spend some time talking to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Come on, let's talk to him. Let's lift our voices to the Lord. Let's lift our voices to the Lord. Effectual, fervent prayer. Praise God. 